Hello Fly Nation and welcome to the Freestyle Your Life podcast, the one and only podcast inspiring you to live your authentic greatness while teaching you that less is more. I'm your host, Anesta Kallet-Zimmermann, and I'm on my mission to help you to be the hero you were meant to be and to live what you came for in life and in business. Remember, the quest we came here for is to discover our true nature, explore our potential and share it by living. Hello Fly Nation, welcome to today's episode number 38 on Freestyle Your Life podcast with Tina Ketchy Stands. We explore how to share your perfect last day with your loved ones so that they know your wishes once the day has come. We both experienced the sufferings of loved ones because they missed conversations about their last wish as part of advanced care planning. Take charge of your life and ending as long as you can. By subscribing to the Fly Podcast and referring three friends who might also profit from the tips revealed, you can qualify for the I Love the Fly Podcast giveaway and you can win amazing prizes. Tina is gifting us with a free chapter of her book, Life Boosts. To get it, just email her requesting a copy of the chapter and she'll be happy to send it. On the Freestyle Your Life podcast, I'm providing you with insights and life-changing stories by fantastic experts to share a glimpse of hope for you on your journey. Let's dive right into today's interview with Tina to explore how to share your perfect last day with your loved ones so that they know your wishes once the day has come. Have fun with it. Okay, so my dear um, Fly Nation, today Tina Ketchy started with me and she experienced the end of life with her parents and uh, that specialized in uh, hospice and elder Um, care industry so she will tell us a lot um, what uh, she experienced there and uh, the, um, their, her, her learnings and the learnings for all of us because um, anyway sooner or later with our parents or ourselves we have to cope with this topic right we sort of tend to push it away but nobody else will Get of it, right? So this is a really important topic, and you uh, have been writing a book on that, the life boost. And um, I uh, encourage you to show, uh, share more about it with us. And um, you have the conversations about the end of life wishes, also, right? So I was in the transformation of being very ill and I faced death and uh, I had all these conversations with my, with my loved dad because um, the doctors, um, they told me um, I'm likely to end up in coma because mm -hmm. of the muscle problems and fibromyalgia and uh, epileptic uh, problems and uh, that was what I consider not to be my life, right? So <laughs> I didn't want to have my dad uh, standing there in, the, in the, the hospital and me, I'm not really there. I'm sort of whatever <laughs> status you have. 
but um, it's it, it not really taking part in, in life anyway. And I didn't want to have my two sons standing there. So I um, did all the patient uh, disposals and alternative and everything up front because uh, I was losing consciousness and, and uh, then it's too late, right? So you get somebody from the government and of course he doesn't know you, he doesn't know what you want, what you intend or whatever. So um, yeah, I had all these conversations before, so I'm curious on that topic and uh, please let's jump right into it and, uh, and share your experience with, uh, with us. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. I really appreciate the invitation. And you know, you are sitting in a really unique situation in that not everybody has had a near-death experience. Yes. So you have this very unique firsthand appreciation of how important it is that, you know, we're all different. You have your choices and ideas about how you want your end of life experience to be. I have mine. And then if there are 9 billion people on the planet, there are 9 billion opinions about that, which yeah, is exactly, exactly how it should be. You know, that's exactly how it should be. Everybody should get to decide those things for themselves. And I think what's the real tricky part is people don't like talking about this kind of thing. Yes. Who wants to think about losing a loved one? Nobody. Of course not. Mm -hmm. But I often talk about the difference between a good death and a bad death. Yeah. A good death is when there are no regrets. Yes. A bad death is when there are regrets. And mm -hmm. if there are regrets, it's typically because families didn't have those conversations well in advance of the unexpected or a crisis or a serious diagnosis. And when you don't have these conversations, then you're left to guessing and arguing among yourselves what to do with mama because one person wants her to go on the ventilator and one person doesn't. And right. if you've had the conversations ahead of time, mm -hmm. there's such a peace and comfort with the family members knowing the decisions they're making on your behalf are what you would have wanted them to make. Right. Totally agree. And it's so such it's an important topic because uh, so many people, they don't consider it as important as today in this moment, right? But uh, of course, there can uh, come up a diagnosis uh, or cancer, like in my case. But... Well, you could be feel perfect today and just go out on the road and have a have an accident and that's it, right? So uh, it's always better to be prepared up front. I mean, isn't isn't it so much easier talking about life support or surgeries or what have you when you don't really have to make those decisions? Right. <laughs> Totally. It's an easier conversation to have mm -hmm. when you're not faced with that crisis and you're not spinning in confusion yeah. right in the middle of it. Yeah. And, and the best way I know to tell families how to 
broach these conversations is by describing your uh, perfect last day on the planet. Mm -hmm. Now that is a fun conversation. That's not a scary, I don't want to talk about this conversation. That's a pie in the sky, anything goes conversation. Mm -hmm. So as an example, I'm going to share with you my perfect last day on the planet. Oh, yeah, please. So there, I am very starstruck. You know, the movie stars and the celebrities, I'm not particularly proud of it, but it's the truth. I'm very starstruck. So in the United States, we have this thing called the Academy Awards in California, where all the famous people get together and they win awards for the movies they were in. Yeah. So my perfect last day on the planet is going to start with attending the Oscars. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go and I'm going to be in the midst of all those famous people and I'm going to get to meet them. When that's over, I'm going to go dancing to Frank Sinatra. Oh, oh wonderful. Fabulous club because I love to dance. And then I'm going to have a filet mignon and lobster dinner with champagne. Oh, my God. I will join you. There you go. And then when it's time to go to bed, I'm going, I want the dog on the bed. I want Louis Armstrong playing. It's a wonderful world in the background. Oh, wow. Uh, I want somebody baking a cobbler, which is a Southern sweet dish. in mm-hmm. the US. I want somebody baking a cobbler in the kitchen so I can smell it. I have a list of people I want to be sure there. And honestly, Ernest, uh, er, er, pronounce it Ernest? Ernest. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want somebody, I have a list of people I want to be sure are there, and I have another list of people I want to be sure are not there. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I want people holding my hand. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if they have to do round-the-clock shifts, I want somebody holding my hand. Mm-hmm. That is my perfect last day on the planet. And I'm here to tell you, if all of your listeners just do that, if they Mm -hmm. just share their perfect last day with their families, I can guarantee you they are going to tell them things that were important to them that the family would not have known otherwise. Yeah, it's so it's so great. It's so useful that you bring that up. I will I will do mine uh, exactly tomorrow. You would what? I will point out my perfect day tomorrow. I didn't do it in that sense. I uh, I have it written down, uh, not combined with maybe it's over, right? But just an just an, uh, a perfect day. And I have uh, made my bucket list over and over as I was in on the point to see it really coming, right? But I didn't. Uh, do a, a, a perfect day um, um, in um, and, and, and memorizing the next day could be over. I will do that for myself. I Thank hope you will. And, and there's another gentleman uh, that likes to talk about this topic. And for him, he doesn't want you to do, he doesn't want you to describe things that aren't possible. Like it is not possible for me to attend the Oscars. So his way of approaching a perfect last day are things that really are possible. So I think for your listeners, whatever resonates with them, just describe your perfect last day and share that with your family 
And then after you do that fun conversation, mm-hmm. then you move into scenarios. Mm-hmm. So you can't describe every possible thing that might happen. Yeah. But you just do a few scenarios that if this happens, do this. If this happens, never do that. Okay. In all cases, do this, but not that. You know, you, you just... You cannot describe everything, but you can give them enough of a mm-hmm. sense of your values that yes. should the day come that you cannot speak for yourself, then like I said, they have that peace and comfort that the decisions they're making are what you would have wanted them to do because you talked about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Bettina, let me ask you a question. So this will be the, the conversations with uh, the loved one. So I say once the, the day uh, comes, they know what to do. But it would also um, implement the, the funeral uh, things. Uh, okay, I, I did this as a, in separate uh, items for myself. So what I did, for example, I always love to be To, to, to speak in, in, in stories and in examples because it's much more visible for, for my listeners, right? So then just talking about a topic, well, that is content and is useful, but what I consider is stories and examples, re- real-life stories, right? Um, the listeners can relate or not, whatever is their case, but it's, you, you can understand it, you can visualize it. And uh, that's why I always uh, love to have uh, examples here, like uh, with your parents when I, in my preparation when I uh, did reading. So what I did is, well, I I saw, I, I I wasn't too far from it, right? So um, uh, I um, wrote down for my dad, obviously the the kids were still small. Um, had, had this unlucky part to, to, to arrange for that, which is, uh, of course, bad because normally uh, he's older than me, of course, I'm the daughter, right? So, well, but besides of that, I um, wrote down for him that I don't want to be on the cemetery in the funeral there um, because. Um, well, he's older and sooner or later might not be here any longer. And my son, one is uh, one moved to Canada. Uh, he's already one year in, in, in Whistler and uh, he's not around. And the young one's just finishing school and uh, wants to leave to Italy. So nobody will be uh, around here. And... Um, I don't want them to feel obliged to come there to see their mom, right? And right. to arrange the flowers and whatever uh, is to do there. So um, I was sailing with my dad all my life in the Caribbean and uh, the Bahamas and absolutely in Greece here in Europe, in the Mediterranean Sea. And what I... Um, when, when I was thinking about this topic, what I came up for is, well, um, l- let's get burned and then put into the ocean. Nice. That, was, that is my consideration or my wish about that. 
and because um, I'm very addicted to, to the sea and um, this is what I shared my whole life with my dad and um, well that would be easy to handle um, for him because he's always uh, sailing and nobody would have um, the feeling to come to the cemetery right so that for me um, I, I would just be in Asia and uh, that was yeah that's what I came up from that's beautiful. And I, I don't know if some of your listeners have seen this on Facebook, but I was first introduced to this thing called the, I think it's called the tree of life or the urn you are in. Anyway, you can put your cremated ashes in with a sapling for a tree and that gets planted and you become part of a tree. So instead of going to a cemetery, I think I want to be a tree. <laughs> Because yeah. it's a living, breathing thing, and yeah. my family can go to this tree, and they can carve their initials in the bark if they want. I don't really care what. If one day the tree gets mowed down because of construction, that's okay with me. But um, I'm beginning to kind of consider that instead of just being cremated and buried in a place, in a cemetery where family would go, I think I want to be a tree. Yeah, that's brilliant too. We have that here too. And uh, you can, uh, it, it's sort of special uh, forest, right? And you can go there up front and, and, and uh, yeah, just determine a tree up front, right? So that, that tree will get a, a sign on it if you want, uh, want it. So my sister-in-law, she is... Uh, on such a, uh, uh, we call it free fall, it's it, it peace forest. Oh, that's the name nice. Is. Yeah. And uh, so you, you, you buy the place there at whatever tree is you, you determine, right? Well, I have to ask you, when you had your, your scare, your um, near-death experience, had you talked about any of your end-of-life wishes before that happened? And then after it happened, have you expressed your wishes because of what happened to you? Um, well, I was in this uh, cancer uh, illness and uh, was, uh, was likely not to come out there um, too, too healthy uh, or, or too alive. <laughs> and... Um, I, I had all these uh, discussions and this, uh, this um, yeah, my wishes told to my dad, right? So I, I put all the testaments uh, for my sons. And so, well, it, it, it doesn't came out of the sudden in my case, right? So I had the first cancer illness and, uh, well, the... Um, the, the, the doctors and the specialists, they didn't have no hope any longer. So, um, well, I still wanted to live, especially for my life and my dad. But if this doesn't turn out to be true, what, what, what then, right? So that's what I just wanted to prepare everything. And uh, um, I, 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 we wrote it down, I wrote it down, everything, because you have to sign it by being conscious. Otherwise, um, 
even the, the, the family cannot do nothing about it. And uh, somebody from the government uh, gets to decide something who, the, who even doesn't know you. So I, I, I didn't want to have that. So I was writing down everything, how I want it, and, 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 and with uh, being with the ashes in the sea and everything. And uh, this uh, document is at a lawyer. It, it has to be at a lawyer. And uh, my, I have a copy, and my dad has the original. So, and how about your children? Do they have copies? No, they uh, they 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 are just beneath or in the background of my dad. Well, here's my recommendation. Um, yes, the lawyer needs a copy of it, but. Should the unexpected happen, we finish this interview and you and I leave and we both wind up getting hit by a car, um, the family needs easy access to those documents. So I tell people to copy them and distribute them like confetti. Anybody that's important to you in your life, whether it's your spiritual leader, your family, your doctor, everybody that's important to you needs a copy and they need to know it needs to be like right here in the front of the file cabinet. This is where it is. It's so easy to go and get to. But even before the whole making copies of the document, what is so universally important, I don't care where you live in the world, you must have the conversation. Mm. You must verbalize what is mm. in that document. Because when something unexpected happens, people's stress level does yes. not allow them to focus. Yes. They're not going to be able to focus on reading a document and figuring out what you wanted under this. Now we, now, now we're not guessing now here's what really happened. Yeah. So now what did she say she wanted? So what's so very important is having the conversation with your loved ones. And the reason I brought up the perfect last day is because people don't like talking about this. And so that just gives you a tool to start the conversation in a fun way. And then you move from that perfect last day into describing verbally in a conversation, eyeball to eyeball, hopefully, but if not, you can do Zooms or FaceTime or all those different you yeah. know, options that we have. Yeah. You need to be looking at them in the eye somehow, some way, and verbalizing what you want. And after you do that, I want you to look at your loved one and say, now, honey, I need you to tell me what you want, because we haven't talked about that. Yeah. So do not discount or forget the importance of the conversation. That is key. That is key. And there's a very important case in the United States that went all the way to the Supreme Court. The girl's name was Terry Chavo. She had a stroke at 29, could not speak after that. Her husband said that she told him, obviously before the stroke, that she never wanted to go on life support. Mm -hmm. She did not verbalize that to her parents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they fought over this for 15 years while she was on 
life support. Mm-hmm. And after 15 years, the court finally sided with the husband and they disconnected her life support. But here's the thing. It was really Terry's fault because she did not tell enough people what her wishes were. Mm-hmm. If she had told her parents the same thing she told her son, there would have never been any argument. Mm-hmm. So the conversation yeah. is huge. Yeah. That is what's important. Yeah. So it's so very necessary we, we have this conversation today. And uh, even if it's not, uh, might not be the, 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 the happiest uh, topic uh, of the world, but it's a topic that will sooner or later uh, be a topic of everybody around here on the planet, right? So and we cannot can- escape from that by uh, avoiding and reflecting to think of it. And I'm going to suggest or even challenge your listeners that that may turn into one of the most meaningful, intimate, compassionate, love-based conversations you will ever have with your loved one. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could take your relationship to a whole new level because we're talking about what to do if you are seriously ill or facing a life-limiting illness and you can just deepen your relationship with them so much by talking about it. Right. I mean, you'll never look at each other the same and it'll be because you're closer and more intimately connected now because there's a greater understanding of the deepest wishes and values you have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, totally. So when I was at this point uh, four years ago, I really challenged my, my dad uh, with all the papers and eugenesis uh, and everything and uh, uh, saying that I don't want to be on life uh, support. And it, it, it was very challenging and hard for him, of course. But, uh, well, I had everything written down and, and eventually the, the case was coming nearer and nearer. And, yeah, obviously I survived. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking today. So thanks, God. But um, I have all the, I had all the papers prepared, right? But uh, just listening to you talking, there came an idea that, well, I, in former times, I, uh, I had my husband uh, in there in the papers, right? But then this, the, the father of my sons, uh, but this didn't work out. Uh, so um, I, uh, I divorced myself. Of course, then I had to bring another uh, person, and my sons were still, <coughs> sorry, were still. Um, six and eight, not not uh, able to, to put them inside there. So that was, of course, my dad. And um, to, 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 yeah, to be in that place. But actually, I'm the younger one, right? So he never talked about his wishes for the end, right? He always wants to be young and uh, he's very... Well, very good uh, health and everything, but 
Well, he's getting older uh, now, of course, right? And uh, he, he never had this talk with me about his wishes. So You're going to fix that, right? I'm going to fix that, and I am going to inform my sons also. As today, they are 19 and 21, they, they can understand today. In the U.S., uh, anybody 18 years or older needs to have these documents. It's called uh, advanced directives. And here it's a living will and a healthcare power of attorney. I don't know what the documents are called in other parts of the world. Maybe it's the same. Uh, what are your documents called? Well, it's a patient disclosure. That is uh, everything about the machines and the life support. And the other thing is the, uh, um, the testament. So whatever belongings you have and the richness and whatever, uh, who should this go to? And uh, this, this is, of course, both of my two sons. And the other thing is uh, the whole discussion about euthanasia, which is uh, active um, um, help to, to die. Right. There is no chance in everything. So one is to cut off the, 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 the heart lung uh, machine, and the other one is, uh, is um, to seek for uh, injection or whatever um, to, 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 to uh, yeah, it's considered as murder, right? Because you need another person and another person and even doctors are not allowed to do it. So I can only do it whenever I drink something with, uh, with mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the chemical inside, right? So poison or whatever. I still have to have my consciousness and be moving. So it's my free will to take it. I understand. So, and yeah. there, are only, there are only a few states in the U.S. where that's legal. Um, I do want to just, no matter where you are in the, in the world, um, it's one thing to stop life support, but the really important document, whatever it is you call it, is when you're picking another living, breathing person to speak for you if you cannot speak for yourself. Mm -hmm. Here, as long as you are decisional and you can communicate your wishes, even if it's just blinking an eye, you know, once for yes and twice for no or what have you, you direct your own care. But it's when you are not able to communicate any longer that that other living, breathing person is, it's called your healthcare agent that they know what you would want so that mm -hmm. they can make those decisions based on what you've told them you would want under different scenarios. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, life support is only one topic. There are lots mm -hmm. of other decisions that will need to be made likely. <coughs> so um, healthcare power of attorney, where you select somebody to make your decisions if you cannot, that's what's really key. Mm -hmm. And they can't do their job if you haven't talked about it. Mm -hmm. You know that. I mean, maybe I'm uh, I'm a bit sensible to that topic. As when I was student, 
um, my grandma had a paralysis, uh, a, a very um, not 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 common one, and this went all the way from the feet to up here to the neck, and uh, well, well, that 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 killed everything, and then she got the operation to the. Um, to the throat here to, with the machine inside to breathe, right? But um, <laughs> she never healed from it. So um, I was visiting her at the uh, sort of elderly home um, for 15 years. 15, imagine 15 years, so, so incredibly long. And she couldn't move anything except that. So everything from down here, hands, feet, everything was was just paralyzed, and the only thing was like that. So she couldn't move the pillow or whatever, doing nothing. Right? She was completely dependent on on uh, the people there caring for for her. And uh, well, I was. Um, I was so close to her, and um, I, I I was nearly dying from just seeing this over and over and over, and how she suffered suffered uh, fifteen years long. It was terrible. Do you think that? Do you think she that was her choice? No. I mean, okay, because some people, as as shocking as it may sound, some people say, "Do not." prolong my life in any way, shape, or form. I don't even want you to give me a vitamin. And there are other people who would be okay with what your grandmother was enduring because some people just want to live until they're 120. So it's amazing the range of opinions about those kind of things. If that's what she chose, then you were honoring her wishes. If she had told you before this happened, I don't ever want to do that. Don't do that to me. Then you would have known. You'd have been able yeah. to make that choice. My guess is she never talked about her wishes before this happened. Yeah. So it, really did. Yeah, Tina. It's just like that. But well, I was uh, very young at this at this age, and uh, it was my uh, her daughter to to arrange for those things. But she was uh, all the years. My grandma. She was. Uh, she was not at all content that she got this surgery, so she wouldn't die. Wouldn't want to die, but in the situation, being completely stuck in this body and not be able to move anything because of the paralysis, and they didn't have uh, no medicine, no nothing against it. So um, she was really complaining because in this case, she would have preferred to die, right? when she's ending up with that suffering uh, situation there for 15 years. It, it's just unbelievable. It was, it was so bad to, to watch it. And, uh, it's so well, scarring. That's well, hard. And, and um, yeah, but my, uh, probably they didn't speak before. And, uh, well, my, my mother sort of not cared too much. So, uh, when I came there after school and she uh, told me to, to just switch the pillow around and I turned it around, I turned it this way, that way, and it wasn't 
again both and afterwards I myself had the impression well it's just lying exactly like it is but that was just a thought I never gave anything on that because I just, I was just doing what she was telling me to do she couldn't speak very well but sort of well I know her all my life so I sort of was trained with that and <clears throat> It was, yeah, in, in, in her feeling, it was better afterwards, right? Moving right. the pillow around might have been the same, but what I consider was not nothing important about it. It was her feeling of, um, yeah, feeling better, right? And, and she was asking my, my mom also when, when she was there, and she refused to do this because she said, uh, well, I turn it and done it like that before. And well, yeah, different thoughts on that. So I always wanted to help her and I turned the pillow set times around. Um, maybe it was like before, maybe not. But she had the impression it's, it's something better or I did something for her, whatever it was. That's awesome. Um, I, before we wrap up, I did want to leave a really positive, positive message for your listeners. And that is hospice started in England in 1964. And it came over to the States in the early 70s. And then, of course, I'm pretty sure it's worldwide now. But so many people think hospice is a place that you go and it's for the last few days of your life. Mm-hmm. It actually, they, you know, there's a ribbon for support your troops and breast cancer and Alzheimer's disease. Lots of organizations have ribbons. The hospice ribbon has a tagline that says, it's about how you live. Mm-hmm. And most people kind of scratch their heads going, well, I thought hospice was about death and dying. But the reason that is such a good tagline for hospice is every hospice doctor will tell you they're not helping people die. They're helping people live until they die. Mm -hmm. So a few minutes ago, you mentioned your bucket list. And I want people to think of hospice as bucket list time. So if you have a six month or less prognosis to end of life and you're no longer seeking curative treatment, Hospice's job is to manage your pain and symptoms so you can go check off some bucket list things. You can feel physically good enough that you want to go to the beach and drink tequila sunrise, which is what my mother wanted to do an hour before, uh, sorry, a month before she died. You, you know, there was a movie called The Bucket List. Mm-hmm, I love it. Yes, that is what hospice is about. It's about managing your pain and symptoms. So you can go do some of the things you love to do mm-hmm. while you still have time. Mm-hmm. That is the focus of hospice. Mm-hmm. But I think it then is I learned something new. Thank you, and I'm sure all all of plenty of our listeners too. I'm and I sure I, I think the, the the common belief is well that the station before dying. Right. And just like a short time before dying. And it's six months. You can do a lot of really cool things in six months. If somebody is still with us after six months, which happens often, 
because they've had their pain and symptoms managed. So they feel good enough. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, I'm going to hang around a little bit longer. I feel pretty good. As long as the doctor continues to estimate, I still think we're in a six month window. If the first six months comes and goes, then mm -hmm. it, the program just rolls forward. And then honestly, we've had people to graduate, meaning they improve so much that the doctor can no longer estimate six months or less. And so they're discharged and they go live their life. And when they need hospice down the road, they'll be there. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Yes, it really is. And the whole mm -hmm. point, you know, uh, cardiologists are specialists in heart, oncologists are specialists in cancer, hospice and palliative care are specialists in pain and symptom management. That is mm -hmm. what they do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's, that, that's great if, if we put it like that, right? So, uh, so you, you, yeah, you can use the, the time ahead you have. Um, and do the things uh, you will regret if you wouldn't do them, right? There was a gentleman whose wife came under hospice care, and he said he was once she, her pain and symptoms were managed, he was able to take her to some cities that she'd never been to before. There was another farmer who wound up in a hospital bed in his living room in front of a big, huge window. And he loved his farming. And when he could no longer go out into the field, they lined up all of his tractors outside of the window so he could see them. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, it's about bringing as much joy and, and happiness yeah. and fulfillment to each day that you have, whether it's visiting cities you've never been to or when the time comes and you can't get out any longer, just being surrounded by the things that you love and enjoy. So, and not, so and not being in pain. Yeah. So wonderful. So, Tina, thanks so much for bringing this uh, uh, not easy to handle uh, topic up here, but it's a topic that will uh, sooner or later um, uh, everybody um, have to, in some sort of the other, uh, to deal with, right? It's just like that. Just, uh, Naming authentic how it is and uh, um, in being just, yeah, the, the, the key is just to be prepared, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and embrace these conversations in a way that you know you're going to take your relationship with your loved ones to a whole new, deeper, more intimate place. Yeah. I'm so grateful for this talk, uh, Tina, and uh, I think we we really share some insights on this very special topic here with uh, with our listeners. And uh, thanks for being here. I'm so honored. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've loved every minute of it. I really appreciate it. Okay. Have a lovely day and fly nation. Well, this was a exciting talk uh, with with Tina and uh, I for myself I did learn something new and uh, also I considered myself to be really into it but uh, that's uh, that's uh, the wonderful thing we can always learn with a special expert you're trained on that uh, on that uh, issue there we can always uh, learn something new
Thanks for sharing your insight. Can I offer a free gift to your listeners? Yes, they will love it. Okay, so if they go to, you know, that hospice tagline is it's about how you live. So that's the name of my website. It's about how you live.com. Yeah. When they go to that website, they can register to receive a free list of tips on how to have start the conversation. That's wonderful. So I, I mean, they might be on the run or somewhere, not uh, be able to, to write it down. That's why I put everything below the, the, uh, the, the audio um, to, to look it up. And I will mention that. So it's 10 tips, ten tips to having difficult conversations. Okay. Thanks so much for that. Again, Tina, and I will mention how to go there and how they can reach you. Perfect. Wonderful. Thanks so much again. Thank you. Bye, Tina. Have a wonderful day and uh, all of your listeners also. And uh, uh, hopefully uh, uh, I get better soon. Thanks for being here even with with your eye problems. (laughs) I appreciate it. I I assume we're now on the back end of where you're going to edit this, right? Right. Right, right. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. It's lovely spending time with you. Have a wonderful day. And I love love the picture behind you. Yeah. I'm too far away from the ocean, so I I always brought it inside. On the the picture. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, uh, Tina. All the best. All the best to you. Bye. Big hug. And, um, Hello, Fly Nation. I hope you got new inspiration to seek help and surrender to love no matter what situation you are in. Hopefully, you could take away that you have so much influence on your last days just by preparing. It is possible to become authentic and finally come to a sense of peace and to embrace life joyfully, even in the last days, once you know how the system works with hospice care. All experts and myself are happy to assist and support you. Just reach out to us. Tune in to the next interview when I'm talking with Marco Berti. Remember Fly Nation, break free and fly. Talk to you on the next interview. Bye.